Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered controls. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN, let me repeat, THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Grit Per 60 podcast, recap edition. So this is our primer, I guess, for our podcast. Um, if you are just joining us for the play-in series, play-in games, uh, and the 2020 NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, hopefully, uh, technically haven't started yet, um, no, I actually need that for the play-in games, but um, the Jets have officially reached the postseason, even though they haven't technically qualified for the playoffs yet. Um, and they have five play-in games, or a best of five, so maybe only three play-in playing games with the Calgary Frank Calgary, Calgary Flames. Calgary Frames. I'm having a stroke. Are they sponsored by like Hobby Lobby? <laughs> My name's Connor Farrell. You can call me TC. The man to my right telling me to move it along. I was giving them a longer introduction today. I wasn't um, telling you to move it along. I was afraid you'd forget the, in the intro No, part. I was getting there. I felt like we needed a little bit of a... That doesn't... That hard doesn't... to explain. Um, yes, because you weren't using right, your words. To my right is my brother, uh, Brendan Farrell. Hey, everyone. I'm Brendan. Other than this podcast, what do you do? Uh, I write for the Independent Florida Alligator, which is the student newspaper at the University of Florida. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's what I do. And you might be thinking, the University of Florida. I thought this was a Jets podcast. Oh. Both statements are correct. Yes. Uh, <laughs> We, we record um, sometimes in the same room, sometimes in separate rooms, um, both in Florida, usually. Um, and we talk about the Winnipeg Jets here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Subtle plug, I like it. Yes, where you can find all of your hockey podcast needs. What is the official plug for that? I don't, I don't have it. Yeah, go go check out the Hockey Podcast Network, where these podcasts will launch first, and then eventually onto our other platforms. Uh, this is our Winnipeg Jets coverage uh, today. We are doing more or less a primer in case you are just joining us uh, now. Um, or you're recapping. like us, and because of the whole pandemic and everything, you've kind of forgotten what sports are like. Yeah, what outside are of marble races. No, I say outside of soccer. Well, yeah, I've been. Celebrating because my team is good. Well, means uh, my my team is not. No, it's it's tough being a Watford supporter. Yes. For all of one year. It's also <laughs> tough being a San Jose Earthquake supporter. It's uh, it, it's been more interesting. It's tough being you as a sports fan. It's tough being both of us as sports fans. I mean, well, but at least now I've got Liverpool and the Flyers. Yeah, that's 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 fair. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm. My allegiance is primarily to the Philadelphia Flyers, but for the purpose of this podcast, we do follow and uh, pay attention to the Winnipeg Jets, which means some late nights for me. Um, I'm used to it because I've been watching West Coast hockey for years with the Sharks, so it's all good. This is also true. So, 2019-2020, uh, the Jets played hockey. Tech Only technically. Like okay, they went out. Connor Hellebuck played hockey. Yeah, I was going to say, I was doing research on this because... You know, I didn't want to look. I didn't want to look like an idiot, but also I was just like, it's been a while, so let me just catch up on things. And by catch up on things, I just went and watched a Connor Hellebuck highlight reel, and I was like, yeah, that was that the was it. That was it. We're gonna be talking a lot about Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, this is if this is your first Grit Per Sixty podcast, um, we talk about Connor Hellebuck a lot because that's really the big storyline with the Jets. Yeah, I mean, he was finally officially named uh, as a finalist for the Vesna Trophy, uh, yes. so that's cool. I mean, that was pretty much an assumption. And again, if uh, he doesn't, doesn't win it, I, uh, I will write a we, strongly worded letter no, and send the, it the, to the NHL headquarters. The people of Winnipeg will riot. I don't know. Eh. I don't know. It's are, not, you it's saying not, that, are you saying the people of Winnipeg are less likely to write than the people of Vancouver? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not Vancouver or, or Montreal, Toronto. so, you know. I feel like the people of Toronto would also... Yeah, but, like, I, I'm I, maybe I don't know all the history here, but I'm pretty sure there's never been a Toronto hockey riot. Huh? It happened in Montreal, and it happened in Vancouver, but I don't think mm. it's ever happened in Toronto. Yeah, but I, the potential is there in Toronto, I think. Oh, the potential's definitely there. So... And I will say the potential is not there in Ottawa because if it was, it would have already happened. Well, like, first of all, there are, like, five, like, active Senators fans right now. <laughs> and second, you know, the, the Senators fans, in order to, like, go to games and stuff during normal times, <clears throat> they don't even get to do that in Ottawa. So it would be in Canada or whatever. I feel bad for any Senators fans that still spend their money on hockey games. 
Also, Canada sounds like a fake place. Canada, Canada sounds like you're mispronouncing Canada. It sounds like you didn't have the rights to use the word Canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, those, um, like, bullshit sports mobile games that don't have, like, yeah. the actual rights? So you're yeah. playing as, like, I don't know, the New York big men instead of the yeah. Giants. <laughs> led by... The Philadelphia Fly Guys. Led by Dan Jones. <laughs> Stuff like that. QV Eagles and, and Tech Mobile. Yeah, that's what Kanata sounds like. Anyway. The Manitoba Plains. Manitoba Plains. Alright, so. The Jets. Yeah. Um, so, the season started off okay. Oh, that first game of the regular season, I feel like, should get a little bit of a nod here. Yeah, I was going to say that, because it was, like, nothing like the rest of the season. Well, A, it was nothing like the rest of the season, but it was also very entertaining, uh, and it was a very notable first game. Uh, they went go down 3 nothing. You're, to... You're off by a game. Oh, I am off by a game. Never mind. I knew I knew you were going there as soon as you uh, yeah. started talking about how notable it was. I'm like, no, they, mm. they, they played the Rangers, and they got... Mm-hmm. They didn't get a, a, a Hellebuck performance. It was... Like, the opposite of that. Mm. And it was also one of the few games that they were actually good in. So there was that. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the few games where they were above 50% in both Corsi 4 and expected goals. I mean, this is back in early October, which feels like a decade ago at this point. Um, I mean, it pretty much was. Yeah. So forgive me for misremembering the first game of the regular season. That was actually their highest uh, game by expected goals for a percentage. Oh, wow. Also, if you are new to the Grit for 60 podcast, we use a lot of fancy stats. Um, it's kind of where our name comes from. Yeah. It's a, it's a sort of an inside joke, but... A little bit. You, you do see people use it ironically on Twitter all the time. Grit? Uh, just the term Grit for 60 or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll see it. But yeah, they had... Nearly 62% of the expected goals in that game and lost. <laughs> they were expected to give up 1.68 and uh, ended up giving up uh, 4 at 5.15. And then the rest of the season, yeah, they yeah. expect to not score very much and allow a lot and do the opposite thing because Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, so from an expected goals perspective, I went back and I looked at um, all the teams since they started keeping track of this stuff. and like Explain expected goals. Real quick. It, it, the name is, is pretty much what it is. It's So when I talk about expected goals mostly, I'm talking about expected goals for percentage. Basically, it's the percentage of goals you are expected to have. Usually, I use it at 5 on 5. So if you have over 50% expected goals, you are expected to good. win. Yes. Over 50% if you have less than good. 50%, you are expected to lose. Yes. And the Jets, for most of the season, are under that 50%. Well, it's more so that like, if, if you're above 50%, you are expected to score more than the other team if you're below. So win. Yes, but... Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay, so go back, to, back to the Jets for most of the season. Yeah, so um, I went back and I started... I looked at expected goals ever since they started keeping track of this with the 07-08 season. Oh, boy. And the this year's Jets, despite m- making the playoffs, I guess, technically, mm-hmm. they've, they've gone back and forth on that. I guess the official designation is that it counts as making the playoffs or whatever. That, the Jets had an expected goals for percentage of 43.1, which is abysmal. 
and also the seventh worst since 2007-2008. None of the Oilers teams that won the lottery were that bad. <laughs> this year's Red Wings, who were god-awful, were somehow just a tiny bit better than this year's Jets in that department. Okay, so this year's Red Wings, who are historically bad... Histori- I mean, pretty How much far away from bad. 50% are they? Just, just uh, so we have some sort of... 40, 43.45. 43.45%. And they are historically bad this year. Yeah. And the Jets this the Jets this, this year, year are forty three point one. Okay, so you can see how you don't need to be that far away from fifty percent to be. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, forty three is really well, far. <laughs> well, but if if you're someone who doesn't have reference, for yeah, this. I guess. But yeah, and uh, there's only I think one other playoff team in that span, or there's only one other team that made the playoffs. That was worse than the Jets, and that was the 13-14 Maple Leafs at 42.79%. No wonder they completely fell apart the next season. So we like to use expected goals to sort of predict how the team is supposed to go as opposed to actual goals, because actual goals can be fluky. Very, very fluky. Or if you just have Connor freaking Halibach. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's one of the things I think is great for, is letting you know just how good or bad your goaltenders are. Right? Because I feel like... Even people who have watched hockey for hockey for years, you know, you, you see a goal go in, and you're like, well, you know what? Maybe that maybe that goal isn't like a bad goal. Maybe like, you know, that was just a really nice finish. The goaltender had no chance, and then, you know, you start seeing, you know, other stuff like that over and over again. And you're like, eh, I don't know. So I feel like it's good to see like how goaltenders stack up um, in reality versus how you know how much it's expected. And especially since, um, you know, a guy like Connor Hellebuck with a horrible defense behind him, or in front of him, I guess sometimes technically behind him, because he buried behind the net. But, you know, you wouldn't know that if you just went to NHL.com and sorted by save percentage. Yeah. Or, if you're a Vesna voter and you sort by wins. Oh, yeah, that's that's um, that's the secret. If you just sort by sort wins. Sort by wins. You automatically get the best. Yeah, yeah, and so you get Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. Who actually, for by most models, pretty good. Evolving Wild is the one model that he's not yeah, good. It's, it's not that he's. It's not that Vazzy is bad. He's just. No. I think he's, he's just he's overrated. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Well, I'm just saying he has no business being in that. Uh, being the third goaltender in the Vezina race. Who would you like to see in that? I have to go back and check. But okay. Fair enough. Someone like um, Tarshi Kemper, Ben Bishop, I think. I'd have to go back and check the numbers. It's been a while. All right, so what are some cookies? So we got Connor Hellebuck. Uh, very, very good. Starts off pretty good. And then what happens? Yeah, there's a pretty uh, precipitous drop around uh, basically like December and January. Like his save percentage, or just basically the team's. Sabercent just falls off a cliff, and rightfully so, because they just continue to play terrible defense. And uh, not good. So through the first two months of the season, October and November, the Jets were 16, 10, and 1. Okay. They fall to 6, 5, and 2 in December. And not good. 3, 8, and 1 in January. Yikes. Yeah. So... To me, uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, you can pretty clearly see how much Connor Halbert meant to that team. Yeah. 
So what other... So, okay, so we got Connor Hellebuck. He slips up in December, January. Kind of recovers in February. Uh, what Before we get to March, I want to kind of save that for the end. Before we get to March, what are some of our other storylines from this season? Um, we can talk about uh, Kyle Connor for a bit. Kyle Connor, Interesting character, I think. Uh, does he lead, he leads the team in points? Yeah, he's tied for the lead with uh, Shifley in points with 73. I think he leads in, he leads he in either leads goals, in goals or assists. He leads goals. in goals with 38. 38 goals. Okay, so 38 goals, 73 points in 71 games? 73 and 71, yep. That's... If you're if you're averaging over a point a game, that's pretty, pretty dang good. Yeah, and this was his third season in a row with 30 goals. Hey, there we go. Your reminder oh. that also, uh, the I believe the Bruins could have picked Kyle Connor and didn't, but... Oh, was, was he in that that group of three I picks? Believe, uh, yeah, I believe were the Bruins, so. The Bruins, didn't they trade into, like, those picks or something? It was when the Bruins had three picks in a row. They had three picks in a row in 2015. They went off the board with all oh, of them. Oh. I want to say Jake DeBrusque was the one that worked out, and the other two kind of had Yeah, it was Voral, DeBrusque, and Senishin. The only one worth a darn is Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque is a good hockey player, but you could have, instead of picking either of those other two guys, you could have gotten Matt, Matt Barzal. Um, or Kyle Connor, um, and I know that because Brennan just pulled it up while I was explaining this. Um, good. Or Thomas Shabbat. Or Thomas Shabbat. Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. What Thomas Shabbat? What do you mean? Okay. Eh. <laughs> but yeah. And the other thing that to mention with Kyle Connor is there was a before the season started, he was a huge question mark because they had to re-sign him. Yeah. They, that was a huge thing coming into the season. They had to give him a contract. Um, yeah, that was they, the thing they, I was telling you, I was, keep, or I was saying a lot, was um, that they ended up paying him more than uh, Line. Granted, well, Line is still shorter, shorter yeah. but, you know, it's still weird. Like, you go back a couple of years ago, and you tell people, yeah, Kyle Connor's going to make more money uh, per year on, on his... Seasons. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, Kyle Connor's going to make more money uh, per year on his deal in Patrick Line, it would have been a little weird. So that's seven point one million dollars. That's a big. That's a big contract. Uh, through well, Cat Friendly has it all the way through twenty five, twenty six. I don't remember exactly how long it is. It could be going all the way further. Um, are you pulling seven that? years. Seven years. That's a massive contract, and for right now, it's good. It's looking all right. Looking all right. Now there are some question marks that we have. For his game, um, but oh, yeah, there, when, you there score, are plenty of them. when you score thirty goals in a season, and you can show that you can consistently score thirty goals in a season, I think that's worth the seven million dollars. Oh, thirty goals and seventy-three points. If you're averaging a point per game in a season, I think that's worth seven million dollars as a forward. Well, also, he very likely would have hit forty in an eighty-two game season. He, also, very true. Also, where does he compare um, stat total wise um, with the rest of the league, the league leaders? Um, I, I would have to uh, look. Okay. Um, so while we're pulling that up, uh, we as the Grit for Sixty podcast, looking at some of our adva advanced metrics, have a few question marks in his game, um, and this is, I think, indicative not just about. This doesn't. I think this is not just a statement about Kyle Connor, but you can make the statement about a lot of the forwards that they have. What are our question marks on Kyle Connor? Well, it was that Kyle Connor, along with Mark Shifley, 
Like, those two were legitimately one of, or two of the worst forwards defensively in the entire league. Just not good. Like, it's hard for me. Like, they're almost <laughs> indescribably bad defensively. Like, Shifley and, and Connor already, like, aren't great defensive mm-hmm. players in the first place. And you just put them together. And then especially when they um, inexplicably had line A on that line, too, where that line completely, like, just didn't work at right. all. And they just stuck them together for, like, most of the season. When, when Patrick Line is the most balanced two-way forward on a line... Your line is probably it's pretty, probably pretty offensively minded at the very least. Yeah, uh, Kyle Connor was like Connor and Sheffler are like tied for fifteenth or whatever in points. Yeah. So okay. Um. So yeah, that was um something that, and that's a concern I think for most of the, not maybe most isn't the word I'm looking for, but a lot of the top end forwards that the Jets have, the big names the Jets have. When you look at uh, Kyle Connor. Uh, we saw Mark, Mark Shifley. His story is very similar, um, although Mark Shifley has a much higher shooting percentage, which we'll get into maybe a little bit. Um, and Patrick Line, I think, well, even Blake Wheeler, you know, you, you keep going names. And it's like, okay, these guys can get points. And that's the name of the game. But they can't prevent the other team from getting points. Wheeler is actually pretty good defensively. Okay. But I would like to see, you know, for me, the dream, and this won't happen. Maybe we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but for me, the dream is to have Ellers, Wheeler, Line A, all in one line. Second line, maybe. But yeah, I mean, I would have it as the first line, but I don't think Shifley and Connor coming off that first line. The issue would then be, who do you put as a first line winger? Yeah. <laughs> Roslovic, I think, yeah, could do it. Uh, yeah. Roslovic could do the job, um, but I don't think they, I don't think, I don't see Paul Maurice actually letting him do that. Um, um, well, also, you forget, we'll get to this in a little bit. But you you forgot about second line. Center. Oh, I didn't forget. I didn't. I didn't forget a second line center, Cody Eakin. That's the primary reason I want Blake Wheeler in that spot, so Cody Eakin doesn't have to be. I I just actually I think ideally Andrew Kopp is there, but fine because we mentioned it. Do you want to talk about the trade deadline for a little bit? Yeah, trade deadline. We'll just jump all over the place, and it's not yeah. going to be confusing at all. Yeah. No, this is. Just one smooth timeline that we're talking about. You can tell we prepared. Oh, we're always super prepared. I hope you're taking notes at home, because if you're doing this in your head, driving to work or whatever, it might get confusing. Okay, trade deadline. All right, so by this point, the Jets are um, on a playoff bubble team, right? Heading into mid-February. Um, there's some definitely some cracks showing. Uh, they are still trying to replace Dustin Bufflin. Oh, that's a... Oh, my goodness. We totally missed this. Before we oh, get, we have yeah. to we have to explain Dustin Bufflin before we get to the trade deadline. Yeah, how did we forget that? Bus, uh, Dustin Bufflin and Brian Little. We also kind of have to briefly mention um, Dustin Bufflin in the off season, right? While the Jets are trying to figure out, hey, are we going to be able to re-sign Kyle Connor? Hey, are we going to be re- able to re-sign Patrick Laine? Um, Dustin Bufflin kind of announces, hey, I may or may not be retiring, um, so I won't be at camp. So he's not at camp. He may or may not be retiring. Uh, and the Jets are just kind of okay with this. Well, not really okay with, but they don't want to do anything about it either way because they they want Dustin Bufflin to play out this season. Um, but they, they, they're they kind of in limbo for the longest time. Is, is Dustin Bufflin going to return to the team? And, and Dustin Bufflin, longtime Jets player, longtime Atlanta Thrashers player um, when the team was in Atlanta, 
Um, super important to this team defensively. Um, I, I think you insert him into the lineup, and it's a much different picture for this team defensively. Especially because the right side is just a mess. Oh, I mean, but you, you can look at this defensive core and say the defense as a whole is garbage. Oh, yeah. No, no arguments for me. Right. Uh, like, Josh Morrissey is, like, the one defenseman I would say, yeah, we can give him top-pairing minutes. It's not great top-pairing top minutes, but we can give him top-pairing minutes. Um, I, throwing Dustin Bufflin in there would have been so convenient for this lineup, and something probably they would be expecting most of the summer to be able to do, and then right before training camp starts? Yeah. Now you've got to either hold his spot when, for he, when he's ready to return, or you get rid of him so you've got the cap space in order to fill that role. Because if you just hold him there and say, hey, okay, well, we expect to maybe possibly see him at some point, that's a lot of cap space that's doing nothing. A lot of money that they could be spending improving that defense that's doing nothing and is there for the majority of the season. Do I, have I covered this? Well, yeah, I was going to say that especially because you know, the Jets already had to rework their defensive core because they lost Ben Chirot and um, Tyler Myers. But, I mean, I don't really think that they, they so, like missed those two players. They just didn't really effectively replace them either. This is correct. But if they if they had any idea what Dustin Bufflin was going to do before Dustin Bufflin makes this announcement, they could have made moves to improve that. Right. Though, maybe one of those is paying for Tyler Myers and his entire neck, and <laughs> that wouldn't have been a great decision either. CC at JFresh. Yes. I'm just going to adopt that joke now. Yeah, but, it's great. Yeah, so that brings us to the trade deadline mm -hmm. where the Jets are kind of stuck in limbo because they are they were in the playoff race. They were, you know, going into the playoffs one day, out of the playoffs the next day. Pretty much like, on, on that bubble line between that last playoff spot and out. Yeah. So... And, uh, not, honest, because of, not because this is a playoff team, mind you, but because Connor Hallibuck. Yeah. Continue. But they were in this weird limbo zone because they're both competing and not competing. And they also don't really have anybody that I would consider, you know, like I'd be okay with moving. Right? Like you would think that a guy like Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, Patrick Line, uh, you know, those guys. They're not going to move any of those players, and the rest of the lineup is just so bleh that you can't really be a seller, yeah. right? Yeah, like, what is what is your return going to be for Adam Lowry? Right. Uh, so, there is that. But also, at the same time, like, it's probably not the best use of resources to go all-in on a pretty mediocre team. Yeah. So, they made two moves. One was bringing in Dylan DeMello. Dylan DeMello. So Dylan DeMello fills which role? Which hole? Uh, top pairing on the right side, apparently. So to, not maybe not to replace Dustin Bufflin, but to fill that need, they bring in Dylan DeMello. Right, and then... What'd they give up for Dylan DeMello? Uh, so they gave up a third round pick to Ottawa. Whatever. Okay. 
Right, and as long as you can keep Dylan DeMello, it's probably fine. If you can't, a third mm-hmm. is not too horribly awful for a rental, even though you're not really a contender either. But that happened, and then they also traded for Cody Eakin for so, some reason. So I think this needs to, we need to back up a little uh, again, but not all the way to the offseason, to October. Or November? November. October? I think November. November. Um, so there's a... So there's Brian Little. Long-time Jets player. Been on the team since they were in Atlanta. Brian Little. Um, he, what, he... What do you have? Did he have a head injury in this, the offseason as well? Like he was, I, I forget. He was coming that. back from a head injury, I believe. Um, in, in a game... I, feel, I don't even remember who they were playing. I, for I think some it was reason, the Devils. The Devils? Of course it was the Devils. Yeah, it was the Devils. Um, Jets take a slap shot. Brian Little's coming around from behind the net. Um, it def- the shot deflects off of someone's stick, and then goes wide of the net, hits DeMello in the back of the head-ish. Little. Tell about Brian Little in the, in the back of the head-ish neck area. Right on the ear. Right on the ear. And, and you can tell... Um, immediately this is serious like he drops everything goes quiet you know like you can just see this and go oh this is not okay yeah he needed 25 to 30 stitches um and and he's been pretty much out of action since um so to fill in that need which is already a need already because kind of, this is the Winnipeg Jets, and everybody's the second-line center position is perennially a need. All of the Jets' best forwards are wingers, and then Mark Shifley, apparently. Um, and so, to fill in this need, they bring in Cody Eakin. Um, who, by the way, because in the past two years at the trade deadline, they brought in uh, Paul Stastny in 2018. Solid second-line center. Yep. 2018, they brought in... Or, sorry, yeah, that was in 2018. 2019, they brought in Kevin Hayes, Kevin Hayes. who, despite being an effective Big player Hayes. elsewhere, yeah. uh, didn't go as well in Winnipeg. And then, this year, they bring in Cody Eakin, and that's like... It's like... So, you're like at the top of the stairs with yes. Paul Stastny, and then you go down a couple with, with uh, Kevin Hayes. And then uh, going all the way to Cody Eakin is like falling off the staircase. <laughs> I he's just not a good, he's not even like a good like third line center, and he's gonna be your second line center now. But Brendan, I mean, in eight games, I don't care. He had five goals. I think it was yeah, something it was like, like that. It's like five points or whatever. I, I just I don't care. He's at the very least the process isn't great, and he's just. He's not good. And he, he was a cap dump from Vegas. And Vegas got a conditional fourth that could turn into a third if he resigns for a cap dump. I, it just, I, I hate it. Okay. So, they've acquired Dylan DeMello to shore up the defense, which turned out, so far, looks pretty good. 
And they brought in Cody Eakin. So far, hasn't hurt them yet, but has the potential to not be a very good acquisition, um, at least from what we can see in our analysis. Oh, we don't like him as a player. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, yeah, I remember when he was first acquired, you were like, yeah, just give him a chance, and now you're just full on like, yeah, no, this is not great. Uh, I mean, I still haven't seen that much of him. But I, I can I can understand, like, why why people don't want him on their hockey team. I'm just saying that I would rather keep, uh, or not keep, I don't know. I'd rather have Wheeler or um, Andrew Kopp in that center position on the second line rather than Cody Eakin, but that's just me. And then, so after that trade deadline, things do start to get a little bit better. As we enter March. Yeah, I mean... The the Jets, for the entire season, the Jets have been some of the worst teams by the expected goals models, um, both for and against. I remember at some point in January, I went on this windy monologue. Windy is probably not the word I'm looking for. Long-winded uh, monologue. Windy? <laughs> Long-winded mon- monologue about how we're not getting enough from the Jets' top six. Um... And then suddenly, after the trade deadline, things start to improve, and they start to find their stride. They weren't as uh, cataclysmically terrible. They weren't, no. We'll, we'll go with that, at the very least. But they were winning games, and they, they didn't look quite as um, out of place. Yeah, so I went back and checked. Before March... The most, or the longest win streak that the Jets had was three games, like the entire season. And then uh, they closed out what would be the regular season with four straight wins. And then it came to a standstill. And then COVID shut everything down after a 4 2 Winnipeg victory against Edmonton. Which is where we bring up now. Which is where we pick up the regular season. Or not the regular season. The fuck am I talking about? The playing games. Playing games. Hockey limbo. I saw somebody mention that, like, uh, the Jets' upcoming series against Calgary is going to be the first time. Or actually, no. Sorry. Uh, The Jets will be playing the Flames in the playoffs. And because it's in a bubble... They will have previously played each other in the regular season, but neither of them played each other in Winnipeg or Calgary. Yeah. Because they played in the outdoor game, game. and then their two games against each other were canceled. Before we get into the Calgary Flames, I did want to briefly mention, as long as we're doing a recap series, a few other players that deserve to be mentioned. Nick Ellers, first and foremost. He's one of our favorite players to watch. I, his blinding speed with the puck um, is a spectacle for me. Um, and he drives play tremendously. He's not he's not the best defensively, um, but he, when he's on the ice, his team usually has the puck, which drives those defensive play driving numbers. Yeah. Um, so he's one of the better forwards and expected goals against as well. Um, anybody you would like to bring up? Uh, I mean, to me, the team's most underrated player is Andrew Kopp. But Andrew Kopp! Second-line center Andrew Kopp. Plug him in. I think he, he usually, I think, 
this year. He's usually on the third line, if not playing wing. Should be second line center. But no, I mean, Andrew Kopp's just a solid, like, guy who's been traditionally used in the bottom six, drives play. You know, what more can you ask for? Um, Jack Roslovic, young, up-and-coming superstar Jack Roslovic. I wouldn't say superstar, but... Young and upcoming superstar Jack Roslovic. Good old American boy. He's all right. I think he's pretty. He's fine. I like him. Uh, good, good, solid winger. You can move him up and down in the lineup. He could play on that top line with. I think he, he could play on that top line reasonably well with um, Mark Shifley and Kyle uh, O'Connor. So if we wanted to put him on that first line right wing slot, move Blake Wheeler to that second line center slot. I don't know what we would do with Cody Eakin. You could just move him somewhere else. I don't know. I think that would work out fine. I'd have to take a look at the rest of the the forward lines to figure out everything else, but I think that would work. Um, Other players to mention, my boy Jansen Harkins. Probably took the the biggest uh, steps forward this season out of any of the Jets players, I think. Um, Started off as a fourth-line guy, in January and February, he got second and third line minutes, and for a brief stint, played on the first line. Um, produced a little bit, not a whole lot. I forgot he played 29 games. But Jansen Harkins, man, I, before the season, didn't even know his name, didn't even know who this guy was, and then suddenly in January, he's playing on the first line, or the February, he's playing on the first line. Impressive stuff. I think probably now he's back down to the fourth line. Which is also something to mention. This team, you know, usually I say I don't have energy to care about guys who play seven minutes a night. Right. Oh, what you mean when we were in, like, that revolving door of uh, AHL call-ups in, like, yes. December, where it was, like, yeah. David Gustafson playing, like, seven minutes, yeah, or um, Yono Luoto or whatever? Yeah, whatever. Um, but the fourth line did find its stride. Uh, they're not going to score goals. If you're looking for guys that are going to score goals, you're not going to find them on the fourth line. But they will pin you in the attacking zone and high press. Just keep throwing guys at you. You've been watching too much soccer. Like. I have been watching a lot of soccer. Uh, they four won't ch- let you leave your attacking zone. Mm-hmm. And four they, check instead they, of press. Four check, whatever. Four check um, aggressively uh, and keep you pinned in your attacking zone. Or in your defending zone. Well, I just want to say um, that it was a good year for ball. the 2015 draft class. Because there we go. Kyle Connor, Jack Roslovic, Jansen Harkins... Mason Appleton and Sammy Niku all play. There we go. That's five guys from one draft class. Just put that entire draft class on the ice at the same time and see what happens. You're going with the uh, four forward approach? <laughs> yeah. Why not? All right. I mean, hey. I don't mind. Or call up uh, Kristen Veselainen. Uh, oh, he's also forward. He's also forward and not from that draft class. Oh. Oh, I see. I'm not looking yeah. at what I think I'm looking at. No, you're not. Okay. It's okay. That makes a lot more sense to look at this. Do you got anything else on you? Um, do we have time to preview the Flames, or do we just want to... We're, we're going to do that next week. Next week. Okay. We've been talking for like half an hour at this point. So that should give you a pretty good primer if you are just checking in and say, hey, what is this hockey thing all about? And you somehow stumbled upon our podcast and want to follow the Winnipeg Jets. I think we did a good job. 
Or you forgot what hockey felt like. I forgot what hockey is. You feel like knowing about all the play-in slash playoff teams. Um, And hopefully, after listening to this, you'll know who to look out for, who to watch. All right. uh, See, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at TC underscore 904. Also on Instagram at the same handle. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at BFarrell727, though most of that stuff's probably going to be about... Uh, the University of Florida. Yeah, UF sports stuff. But, yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Gripper60Pod. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at that uh, handle. Uh, you know, go follow all of our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network. And, yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Connor Hellwell. Connor Hellwell. Alrighty, uh, thanks for listening and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.